Welcome to Main Menu for the week of August 1 through August 7, 2014. I'm your host, David Tanner, and we are very pleased to have you with us today on Main Menu. We hope that you've had a chance to listen to our Main Menu ACB conference and convention specials that we have been doing for the last couple of weeks. And if you haven't, we would invite you to go out to the Main Menu webpage at http colon slash slash mainmenu.acbradio.org and go to the show's link and you'll see all five of those specials there almost five hours of interviews with various vendors from the exhibit hall and so forth at the recent acb conference and convention in las vegas nevada and you will learn an awful lot about what's going on in the assistive technology field. If you haven't heard those, you definitely want to go and take a listen to those. And we are very pleased to have been able to present those to you and hope that you will get a lot of valuable information that will help you now and possibly in the future. Well, today on Main Menu, we have a couple of interesting segments for you. Before the convention, I had a chance to talk to David Wilkinson from Hymns Inc. and get together with him and get a very good demo of the eBot Low Vision device that they are just coming out with. And we had had David on before and we had talked a little bit about the eBot and the, some of the other new products from Hems, but we really wanted to get together and have a chance for him to really show you all about the eBot. And I think you will find this a very interesting interview and get a lot more information and understand a whole lot more about what the eBot is all about. And I gotta say in the chances that I've had over the last couple of weeks to work with this device and my own job, I'm finding it uh, to be a very nice device and particularly it is nice for a blind person to be able to use this device which is really made for low vision people but to be able to completely control it with speech access to the device and be able to show it to people use the OCR on it and so forth so you take a listen and see what you think and then after David and I talk then Neil Uris is going to come along and he's going to do a review for us of the Zoom H recorder. This is a high quality top end recorder and I think you will find that this is a very high quality recorder and of course Neil does an excellent job on these kinds of reviews and I'm sure you'll appreciate his review and if it's uh, the kind of recorder you might be looking for. I think Neil has all of the specs and the information and shows you enough about it to have a good idea whether this is something that might be for you. Well, that is what's coming up on this week's main menu. We do hope you've had a good summer so far and that you're enjoying your summer. We're going to go ahead and now and get into this week's program. You have a great week and we'll see you back here again next week on Main Menu.
It's summer and traditionally a time when the technology companies, including the assistive technology companies, come out with a lot of their new and cool things. And this summer, we want you to remember that we here at Main Menu will keep you on top of what's hot and what's cool this summer in the technology field. So don't miss us every week here on Main Menu. I am very pleased to have with me again on Main Menu today, Mr. David Wilkinson from Hems Inc. And welcome back, David. We're glad to have you back and um, anxious to hear all about iBot. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Um, and it, it, it feels like just a couple weeks ago when I was here. So I'm, I'm starting to feel like a regular. Well, that's good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, we introduced eBot. Uh, we initially showed it, I guess, at uh, ATIA, but really had its introduction at CSUN, where we had all kinds of events surrounding the introduction of eBot. And the E is sort of open for interpretation or debate as to what it stands for. It was originally supposed to stand for, uh, for education, and then we figured out that in our, in our infinite wisdom that employment began with an E, so then it became education and employment, and then we figured out that everything stands with an E, and so now it's sort of everything. So the, the E in eBot is sort of migrated as far as its its meaning the bot part of it means that it's a it's it's a mini sort of robot uh or at least uh, we we like to think of it as one it's a video magnifier it's a near distance video magnifier with optical character recognition and it it can project the image of the, the magnified image onto your ipad your android device uh your surface your your windows tablet uh in addition to being able to connect to other uh, monitors, whether it's your Mac, your PC, or just a standalone monitor. What's really neat about the way that we're connecting to your iPad or your tablet is that we're doing it wirelessly. We have a, what amounts to a broadcast network built into eBot so that it has its own Wi-Fi hotspot. You log your iPad onto the, or Android or whatever. I'll probably be using iPad as sort of a universal uh, tablet thing. So sorry, Android people. It's, it's, it's what I, um, but you, you go to your wireless settings and you connect the iPad to the eBots Wi-Fi built-in Wi-Fi network. And then there's an app that you download free from the app store that when you click on that app, it brings the image from the eBot up on the screen of the tablet. And you've got gestures that you can use on the tablet, like pinching your fingers together to make the image smaller, uh, Taking your your fingers apart to make it bigger. Oops. Or you can just run your finger across and hear a scanned image, which I just did. Uh, so you've got a number of different options that are available to you. And then I stopped it after I realized what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so you've got a number of options that are available from the uh, from from the iPad itself, or you can use a remote, uh, or you can use controls that are actually on the eBot camera. And when you're hooked up to a computer, you can also use keyboard controls. So you've got multiple ways that you can control eBot uh, for focusing in on the items that you want to focus on. Uh, it, as I said, it's a, it's, it's a near and distance view camera. Uh, so if I want to flip to distance view, I open the little shutter on the camera, uh, um, and then I can point the camera at anything. Uh, right now, the way that I have it set up, there's not a whole lot of really great stuff to look at in my office. We're looking at a weird... Uh, graphic that was made with uh, 
Oh, I can't. The, with the pictures in a flash uh, that then a friend of mine drew on. So it's sort of an odd image. But, uh, okay. So be glad this is only audio. Um, <laughs> we'll go back to real print. Um, now, just out of curiosity, because of something that happened uh, that I happened to see here recent, very recently, it was also a tablet, and I even got a chance to drop by a computer store a couple of days ago and see one. And it's got me real interested. <laughs> I, I gotta say, uh, in, in travel status, it would be very nice. Uh, a tablet the size of an iPad Mini, but it's a Windows 8.1 tablet. Uh, it, would, it would work with eBot. Okay. Now, would that be you still do it wirelessly, and would there be a special um, software that we'd need for for Windows 8 if you were doing something like that, or? You're going to be doing it wirelessly. There will be an app for the computer side of things. What you are not able to do at this point is to use a, a Windows-based tablet to do gestures with okay. eBot. Uh, that's your iPad and Android apps at this point. Okay. But you would be able to connect to a Windows tablet. Uh, we, we've played with it with a Surface. Um, I probably wouldn't go much smaller than the tablet that you're describing. A number of folks have wanted to work, wanted to know if this would work with an iPhone. And frankly, what what's the point? Uh, you've got such a tiny screen that you'd yeah. see two or letters at a time. Yeah. And so we didn't. And so we didn't make it work with an iPhone. It is an iPad specific app on the Apple side of things. But it was kind of an interesting question on you know. But you'd have you this could do the iPad. You could do the Mini. I've got it hooked up to a Mini right now. Okay. Okay. Uh, that, that's what I that's what I carry for for show. Yeah. Well, this tablet was uh, well. I couldn't believe uh, the the company I where I went to see it. It was um, one hundred and ninety nine dollars for uh, two gig RAM, thirty two uh, gig of storage. Had a, a micro SD card slot that you could go up to sixty four gig on that. Uh, Windows eight, and uh, I had a actually seen it using. Um, one of the uh, top screen readers that is actually working on it, and they were showing it in a demo I, that I saw that um, using, um, well, they were using JAWS for Windows with it. Right, right. I, I, I know Eric was running around with one of, the, one of these at a conference I was at recently, and I didn't get a chance to see it. I got, um, I did get a chance to see it, and it was okay. very I, I, I interesting. Figured, <laughs> I figured you were looking at Eric's tablet. He was, he was kind right. of everywhere. Right, um, right. And I mean, he was talking about up. he got it from a, a, a mail order place. Well, and sign me up. You know, if I've got a choice of spending eleven hundred bucks on a Surface or two hundred bucks on this guy, yeah. that's a pretty obvious choice. You know, and and the only real thing, I mean, you had thirty-two gig of internal memory. You know, for storage, if you wanted to go to sixty-four at another hundred dollars, and I don't see that, particularly if I can put in a sixty-four gig micro <laughs> right. SD card. So. But right. uh, I, so I was just curious because I have a feeling the word's going to get out about these and, and people are going to be saying, could I use it with that? <laughs> and man, I, I, I'm right there with you. That, I mean, that, as far as I'm concerned, that'll become my work computer. Um, I mean, you know, if I can carry around that instead of a laptop, exactly. sign me up. Especially when you're on the road. Yeah, yeah, you know, that, absolutely. It, it makes a lot of sense. So yeah. you, could, you could do basic stuff with it anyway. Um, couldn't you pretty much i mean uh you could you could read a document with it or something oh sure well and, and with ebot i've got other ways of controlling it like right now i'm i'm using the uh the controls that are actually on the camera zoom 23 zoom 22 
Zoom 21. And this is all just using the little arrow buttons that are on the camera, so I don't have to use the, you know, any type of gestures on the tablet. Contrast. Oh. Contrast 11. Or I could use the remote. I'm now picking up the remote off my desk, uh, and we'll change the colors if I hit the right button. Yellow on blue. Green on black. Natural color. So, you know, and I'm just going through the different colors here. So I've got plenty of ways to control eBot. I don't necessarily, and I don't lose any functionality by not being able to use the gestures on a tablet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Because, again, at this store I was at, they had a, a another unit that was from another company, um, another computer company, that it was, he said, the size of a regular iPad. Uh, that wow. was a Windows 8.1 machine. Now right. it was three fifty, but still, it included, I believe, a keyboard that you could just attach to it. So uh, this could this could be something that, it w and it had four gig RAM. And I'm so I'm thinking this is something people are gonna gonna look at that and they're gonna say, well, you know, I I'm really a Windows person through and through, but gee whiz, if I can do this and put an eBot with it, wow. <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, it would all fit. You know, eBot e has its own little carrying case. It's eBot is about a four-pound device. It folds up pretty flat. It fits into like a backpack carrying case, and you could stick your screen, your computer, your your tablet in the outside pocket, and you'd be ready to go. Exactly. Well, I'm going to let you go ahead and do your demonstration uh, uh, and, and uh, do your presentation, but I just kind of wanted to mention those things and ask a couple of questions there because of some recent developments that are really, um, I think, going to make the summer um, shows and so forth. Uh, people are going to really start uh, wanting to see this because they because you're saying this works on about anything, and, and it obviously does. Uh, we're going to get people asking not only about iPad, but a little bit of everything. Well, and the other thing that we're doing, we're hooking it up to a little, uh, I think it's a 9-inch display that, weighs a few ounces that has a little stand that pops onto the back of it that just plugs right into the e-bot for the power through usb so you know we're we're, we're hooking it up to a which is just a display we found on the internet um that we're all running around with so that you know if you don't want to use something else that's got power to it then you can just use it with its own dedicated display that'll take power from the e-bot mm -hmm. so you've got all kinds of possibilities if you're hooking this up to a monitor or a, or a tv what what are your choices for connection you're, you're using HDMI. This is a digital signal, so you can't use. You know, and pretty much every, everything has HDMI anyway. At this sure. point, it's what, whether you get something really old that only has VGA, you would be able to use. But this is a totally digital signal, so you're going to be using HDMI. Uh, and then to hook this up by cable to your computers, you're going to be using USB two or USB three. Um, but if you're plugging this into, you know, you could plug this into any size TV. You could have it plugged into a 64 inch TV and run up down the room and read things as you run by if you want. It's okay. fine with me. <laughs> I was with uh, I was with a lady. Uh, my wife and I were with a lady day before yesterday and helped her buy a 32 inch Magnavox TV that has SAP, and that was the reason she wanted that particular one was because it had SAP, uh, and it was like. $220. Yeah, they've got they've just gotten ridiculously cheap. Uh, it's it's amazing. You, you, it's, it, I mean, it's just like with everything else. When things first come out, they're crazy expensive, and now they're not. Right, you know? right. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to shut up and let you take over here, sir. Well, there, there are... This would be a good time to explain that there are three different models of eBot, so you can get as much or as little of eBot as you want. There is a basic model of eBot, which has no optical character recognition, 
it only has the you know the, the video magnification near view distance viewer um so we uh that that's just your very basic model your ebot advanced and and, and the ebot the, the regular ebot sells for 2695 there are show specials on all of these for anyone who's going to be at the uh who was at nfb or, who, or who's going to be at the acb convention so this is retail retail pricing show up at the booth for the cool summer discount shows but the eBot Advanced has optical character recognition and also comes with a remote. The optical character recognition that you're getting with eBot Advanced is what you see is what you get. So it's whatever is on the actual screen. So the trick there, as with anything with optical character recognition, is to shrink the magnification down when you're going to actually take the picture for OCR uh, and not worry about if you can see it so much until after you've had the optical character recognition and then blow the picture back up a little bit and read along as you're listening to it. Or you have the high-end eBot, which is the eBot Pro, and eBot Pro does a couple things that are really neat. It has a, it has two cameras. First of all, so the first, it has a dedicated camera for optical character recognition. So you're getting a full page view of optical character recognition. So it's not what you see is what you get. It's a, a full page. The second thing that makes eBot Pro stand out is the camera for a near and distance view is motorized. So you can actually control this camera from a joystick that you know just with your thumb with a remote. So that if I wanted to switch the camera to distance view, I can just hit the joystick with my thumb. Uh, the camera zooms out to distance view. I can then pan around the room, again, just using my thumb with the remote. If I want to bring it back to near view, I can bring the camera back to me. It's going to remember exactly where I left off on the page. And it's going to go back exactly to where the camera was focused before. And then I can pan the camera across the page, uh, move to the next line, uh, and, and just keep reading down the page and have the camera track the page and do it all with my thumb. Wow, or from or from my iDevice, but it's really neat that I never actually have to touch the eBot to make the camera move. Uh, there's also a secure digital slot in eBot Pro so that I can store images uh, from eBot as I, as I'm moving along. But the really big thing is the motorized cameras, so that if I'm in a classroom and I've, I've got enough to do when I'm trying to take notes and look at my screen, and if if I can not have to take my hand and physically move the camera to keep up with what's going on on a whiteboard, then that's one fewer thing that I have to do. Okay. So those are the three models of eBot that we have available. So and then the prices on the advanced and the pro. Oh, the the, the price on the advanced is twenty nine ninety five. Again, come by our booth for the, the special summer pricing that is in effect through the end of uh, ACB, and the eBot Pro is three thousand eight hundred ninety five. And it weighs a little bit more than the eBot and eBot Advanced. It weighs just just under six pounds because you've got the second camera and you've got the motors. But it still folds up flat, goes into a backpack-style case, and is very portable. Both of these have a lithium-ion battery. They have approximately four-hour battery life where they have to be recharged. And that's four hours of actual use. So, you know, if you're setting up in a classroom and then you take it down to move to the next classroom, that's obviously not counting against your battery life. So it's going to make it through, you know, probably a day of class, a day of work. Uh, before you have to recharge it. Now, uh, just out of curiosity, you know how we can how we can cheat that with iPhones and other devices with with uh, the the little extra battery packs. Can you? Is there a chance of doing that with the eBot? I have been experimenting with some power packs. Like I've got one here that I think is a Duracell power pack. I think it's Duracell from Amazon that just has an outlet on it that will let you plug something into it and charge it back up. And I've had pretty good success with that. Okay. So officially, I would say I don't know, but unofficially, I would say it seems to be working pretty good. Okay. The chances are, are good that it'll work if you get, yes. the, right, if you get the right one. Right, right. Yeah. As, you know, as, as, as long as you're not getting some little 
I mean, you're going to want something that the, the cord is going to physically plug into, you know, that's going to be able to mm-hmm. have, the, that's going to be able to you know, really have some, some power behind it. Right. You know, if you get one of these little cheap guys, it's just plugging into the iPhone that you could put into your, your shirt pocket. It's probably not going to work. Yeah. So, so something like <clears throat> the one that I've got that I, you know, I charged up a, a, a Daisy player with uh, on the way uh, back um, from, from a meeting, um, would work fine for that, but it's not going to work fine. And it worked fine for a book sense, but it's not going to work for 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 the e-bot. Right, you're going to want something with a little bit of heft to it. Mine right, is right. probably the, the the little one that I'm using from Duracell, Duracell. Probably weighs three quarters of a pound, which you know, hey, that's if it's going to give me, it's not that bad. No, that's you know, not. it beats it beats having a dead e-bot. Oh yeah. So <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> At least that way, you know, if you had a longer day, you could probably get through it. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. All right. We do have the ability with with OCR to be able to magnify the text to change the colors as well. You know all of the, all of the things that you'd be getting with Live View, and we'll go ahead and try try the the OCR. And we get our camera clicking, the ever popular camera shutter that everyone seems to have. Hey, an idle focus camera lens ensures any accuracy of text recognition, and high quality hundred voices deliver great results in a variety of environments. Ah, uh, it should have been environments. Music and audio book files for Tony. white. I'm going to stop this guy. This is a blaze flyer. Sorry uh, for the uh, self-promotion. <laughs> but it did, a pre- it did a pretty decent job. Yeah. Um, you know, as it's, as it's reading along here. Wi-Fi um, to access online Daisy podcasts and audio create high-quality recordings using the Internet. So he's missing a couple little letters. I should have probably made the tech the, the view smaller before I OCR'd it. But it didn't do too bad. It did pretty reasonably. We know that it's a Blaze Flyer, and we—I I could give you—I could let you hear all of his features all day if you wanted. Um, but, um, so, but that's basically how your OCR is going to work. Uh, you just hit a button. You wait a few seconds. Um, I have a light on on the camera. I could turn that light off. I have the light on in here because I've got some strange lighting in this room with the sun coming in through the window, uh, through the blinds. So it's you know it's as with any digital. Uh, camera the the lighting is going to be pretty important sure now with the with the ocr if you wanted to could you save that ocr audio or could you save a file from the ocr on the the short answer is you will be able to on the lower end ebots on your if you are saving if you are using a computer uh that'll be a feature that is coming right now the only way of saving would be with the ebot Pro right to the SD card, and then you would save the text and the JPEG from the uh, the, the OCR. Okay. But remember, this is at the very beginning of its life cycle. Sure. Sure. Okay. So as far as you know, the the demonstration of it, you always run into sort of an issue when you're trying to demonstrate a primarily video problem with audio. There's not a whole lot I could show you. I could show I, again. I can flip it back into distance view, and we could look around at my office. As you all can hear on main menu, we're now scanning my office. It looks beautiful. Um, ooh, that looks nice. Ah, enough of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so you you do have a diopter that you've got to open and close in order to get from distance view to near view. But again, on the motorized uh, eBot Pro, you do not have that. We have all of your other standard video magnifier features with you know lines and markers. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to remember your settings when you turn it back on the way that you had it before. So we've got a lot of your standard stuff built in. Plus, we're adding the portability uh, of, of, of a truly portable model that can do OCR, and we're sending it to your t- favorite tablet device. Now, on the distance view, 
Uh, let's say there were um, two or three different things. Maybe you had a screen up in the front that you needed to look at. But then maybe there is something on the wall that has some print on it that you want to look at. Will it auto-focus on those, or do you have to manually focus? How does that work? It will try to focus on what it thinks you are interested in. And as with any computer, some of the time it is right, some of the time it is not. And when it is not right, you can focus it. And it's easy to focus with just zooming in or zooming out. Okay. But it, it, it's going to make its best guess. But, you know, as, as as with anything, its best guess may or may not be correct. It's going to go with what it thinks is the obvious choice. So, obviously, unless the two things are fairly close together, if you point it at the screen, it's going to focus on the screen. On the other hand, if you've got a, a, a poster or something that, let's say, eight feet away on the same wall, and you turn the camera toward that, it should focus on that because that's, it should. that's what it's going to see. That's correct. That, that's exactly right. Where you would run into trouble is if you had a, pox, a, a poster or a flyer or something right next to the screen and then right. he's trying to figure out what to look at. Right. Then it's going to, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. And, but that's, I don't think that's what I, I, I was concerned or so much concerned about if it's right next to it is if you had two different things that you needed to look at, you could, and you moved from one, if it was focused on one and you moved to the other, it should change focus then. Right, okay. right, it should. Okay. Now, keep in mind that if your printing is different sizes on the two things, you may have to go in and adjust the size of print sure. to keep print, in essence, the same size because it's magnifying two different images sure. to, the, you know, to the same degree. But no, it's, it's, it's going to focus on what it thinks is the obvious choice. Okay, okay. The other thing that I'd like to emphasize with the eBot that we sort of glossed over a little while ago is that it does have the ability to hook up to your Mac, and there are very few video magnifiers that have the ability to use your Mac as its monitor, and we do. So we, we're truly trying to be universal as far as what we can connect to. And now then, would that have a, an application for the Mac you would need to use? or At this exact moment, you are hardwiring it. You're using USB 3, and you're oh, just okay. plugging it through the USB port. Oh, okay. uh, obviously, that's an, that, an obvious, you know, especially with the, the, the App Store for the Mac, there's obviously room to try to create something in the future. But as, sure. as it is right now, that's what we've got. Okay. But at least you can do it. That's, that's yes, you big. can. Okay. All right. Okay, um, so then um, it comes in its own carrying case. It does. And um, then the OCR, as I remember, uh, when when it's reading to you, the speaker for that is actually on the um, the control panel thing for for the eBot. That is correct. So that is correct. all you're really getting. I have to worry about, which makes it even easier, is. You don't have to worry about is the audio coming through my computer or my iPad or whatever. All you're getting right. on your 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 screen is, is the uh, video. That is correct. Yeah. And uh, I guess a couple of things to, to make sure that people understand. We do have a headphone jack, so that if you wanted to hear audio through headphones, your your best friend doesn't have to hear the you know when when you're scanning a piece of paper. And the second thing is we do have a a dial on the back of eBot that has, and I forgot if it's eight or nine frequencies of remotes already programmed into it, so that if you have multiple e-bots sitting next to each other, they won't interfere with each other. Oh, that could be real good. Yeah, that could be really entertaining. Really? Um, no, I mean, that could be really convenient, because if you got in a meeting or something with several people that might have them, uh, you're not going <laughs> to end up crossing wires or crossing signals. Right, there's, there, there, there's no color wars over what's going to be on the, on everyone's monitors. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or the size of print. 
<laughs> or the size of print. That's right. It, it could, from from a reality TV standpoint, it'd be really interesting to have several e-bots focusing off one remote, just not tell anybody, I guess, uh, <laughs> and then watch them fight. But it wouldn't probably be good for business, but it would be pretty entertaining. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> now, can you do things, you know, can you do things like uh, I'm looking at something that is um, aerial, but I don't see aerial as well as I would see, um, I don't know, Roman. Uh-huh. Can can I can I have it change it and show it to me with a font that I see better? I can't do that. I can control virtually everything else. I can have virtually any color on top of a color. I can control the brightness. I can control the contrast. I can't control the font. I don't know how feasible that would be, but it would sure be interesting. And that's one of those things that it, I, I would recommend that you send to info at hymns-inc.com to see if our engineers can start working on something like that. Because it seems like I've I'm, seen ways and places where you could do that. I, that's one of the times that I just have to, that I have to confess that I'm not smart enough to know if it's yeah. feasible or not. It seems like particularly, I know with a couple of the OCR packages, yes, that is possible. Yes, it is. And yes, I'm it thinking, is. No, the boy, that, that, would be, that would be pretty neat if you could do that. Now, the, dis- the difference they have there is they're getting access to, they're essentially generating their own code or their own print when they're doing the, the OCR and you're not getting sort of an exact view. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to do that. Right, right. With that, the that, OCR. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Right. So you would think with the OCR, I mean, it would be feasible. And for some That's people, that does make a big difference because people I, uh, have explained to me, like, um, I believe it's sans serif. Sometimes the ends of letters can get so thin that it can even affect whether it's recognized or not. Right, right. Now, that kind of stuff can absolutely make a difference. So that that, that would be a really obvious, that, that seems to me if it's doable, that would be a, a slam dunk. That would be neat. Yeah, it really would. Well, what else can you tell us about the e Does it cook your lunch or? It won't cook your lunch, but it'll sure read the recipe on the box so that you'll know how to cook your lunch. Awesome. Awesome. So, <laughs> how was that for a good uh, for 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 recovering quickly? That that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. But now the the size of the camera, the main device. I mean, okay, is it something that if I, uh, you know, staying on the food subject, sort of, if I had um, several boxes of frozen things in my freezer, could I pull one out? And have the ebot in my hand, and have it read uh, the you know the uh, the recipe or the directions on how to cook something off of the box. You're going to have ebot sitting down. I currently have it sitting on top of a laptop. Uh-huh. Uh, it has a little platform underneath. Uh, you know, it's 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 not like it's a little handheld camera that you're whipping around. Okay. Uh, it's a, it's you know it's it's more of a traditional sort of video magnifier camera. It's mounted above the, the platform. Okay. We don't have an X Y table. We're just moving the camera uh, back and forth to scan the sure. page. So you don't need an X Y table, but you are going to have it sitting on your countertop or on a, on on a flat surface so that you can put the box your your box of stuff on the uh, on the eBot platform. Okay, so but, you could uh, have you could have it sitting on a, ca- a kitchen cabinet or whatever. Oh, absolutely. And just and take with, it and out, with the, put it under it. And... Well, and, and with the tablet, you know, you're holding the tablet right in your hand so you can sure. see the recipe and carry the tablet over to your uh, to your stove, to your oven or whatever and follow the directions right off the tablet. Okay. 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 That's what kind of what I was looking for basically. And 
because, yeah, like you say, you don't. The nice thing about it is you don't even have to carry the box over there. You just, you know, you take your little your tablet, you go over there, and you got it, right. it laying there by your stove or your microwave or whatever. Okay, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And and you, you not only have the recipe right there, but you look cool in the process. Yeah. Okay. What else do we so, need to know? Well, uh, we have many local distributors that are selling Ebot, and you can always call Hims directly at 888-520-4467. All right. Thanks very much, and really appreciate it. Thank you very much. You take care. Here at ACB Radio's main menu, we are always looking for feedback from our listeners. If you have any feedback about something that you have heard here on main menu, suggestions for things you would like to hear on future programs, Or, if you are able to record a product demonstration or interview for us, please get in contact with us by sending an email to mainmenu at acbradio.org. That's mainmenu at acbradio.org. You can also get in contact with us via Twitter. Our Twitter page is at www.twitter.com slash mainmenu, or you can follow at mainmenu with your favorite Twitter client. Finally, all of our contact information, past shows, and more can be found on our website at mainmenu.acbradio.org. Thank you for listening to Main Menu, and we look forward to hearing from you with your thoughts about our program. Hello, everybody. This is Neil Ewers in Madison, Wisconsin, and this is a podcast on the Zoom H5 recorder. Was just released a few days ago, and I happened to be on the Sweetwater site just as it was put up, and so I decided, of course, that I needed to have one, if for no other reason than to tell you all about it. Oh, sure, right. I think you can see through that. A few notes about this podcast. It's going to be shorter than some. I'm going to be taking some medication that's going to make my throat really hurt a lot, so I'm going to get this out of the way first. So I won't be going through the menus at this point, but I will be doing some other things with this recorder. And at some point, if enough people are interested, I'll try to put together a menu tree. So, with no further ado, here's the podcast. I'm now actually recording on the Zoom H5. In the beginning, I was not. I'm going to depart from my normal way of doing things, however, for just a minute, and give you some sound samples. I do this because you might decide this is a recorder you want and you're looking forward to the description. On the other hand, you might not like its sound, and while I listen to the whole description of the podcast, up to the point where I record the sounds, if this isn't something you want. People have complained about the Zoom H4n recorder being very noisy. How does this compare with the Zoom H4n? Well, I know one way to find out. And that is what I've done. This is the Zoom H4n recorder. So the question is, what's the difference between the sound of these recorders and the amount of microphone noise you hear? This is a pretty quiet room, and there's not a lot of signal going on except my soft voice. So you're going to hear lots of noise. And I could certainly talk closer to it and make it less. I'm probably three and a half, four inches from this recorder, as I was on the other. Now let's go back to the Zoom H5 and do one more test before we get started. I'm back on the Zoom H5 now, and one of the things you can do if you happen to have both the H5 and the H6 is that you can use the H6 capsules on the H5 recorder. 
I don't think you can go the other way. I don't think you can use the Zoom H5 microphones on the Zoom H6 recorder, although I don't know why not. Well, I just tried that and it doesn't work. You cannot use the H5 microphones on the H6 recorder. So there you have it. What I want to do now is put on the Zoom H6 capsule and see how that works. And that is in fact what I have done. These microphones are much quieter. They are better microphones, although the claim to fame for the Zoom H5 is that they have a higher SPL or sound pressure level. All right, we've done enough of our testing. Let's now go back to the Zoom H5 and let me describe what we have here. I'm back on the Zoom H5. I'm using the windscreen that came with the Zoom H5, which is a very weird, squarish, not very porous windscreen, foam. It does cut down a bit of the sibilance, but that's okay. This has quite a bit anyway. What comes in the box? The recorder is in a hard plastic case, kind of like the one that came with the Zoom H4n, if you have that, and the mics are already connected to the recorder. There is a windscreen, a USB cable, two AA batteries, and a manual. Without the microphones attached, the recorder is about five inches long, two and a half inches wide, and maybe an inch thick. That's not the official measurements, that's what I just measured with my ruler. Of course, the microphones on the end make it a little longer than that. The weight with the microphones attached is 11.5 ounces. Without the microphones, 7.8 ounces. That according to the unofficial measurement of my kitchen scale. All right, how to describe this recorder. If you're holding the recorder so that the face is pointing toward you, the microphones are at the top. They are as they are on the Zoom H6, Zoom H4n, and all the other Zooms, except for the Zoom H2n. They are pointed toward each other, each at 45 degrees, making 90 degrees, except they're offset. One is above the other one, so they don't point exactly at each other. They sort of point past each other. These cannot be adjusted. If you run your fingers back from the tip of the mic, you'll discover a permanent ring that goes around each microphone, sort of midway back through the mic. You can move the mic inside this ring because it's on kind of a spring-loaded thing. If you go back past the ring, you get back to the end of the microphone, which is not the active end, and there feels like a wire coming out of each microphone. It feels kind of like a pipe cleaner, if you know what those feel like that actually then goes around and connects to the base, the square part of the base where the microphone connects to the recorder. So you can move the mics around. You can actually bang them into each other, one on top of the other, if you're not careful. And you still get hand handling noise, but not of the really low bass noise characteristics that you did on the Zoom H6. In fact, interestingly enough, when I use the H6 capsules on this recorder, because of what the recorder is made of, I guess, I do get this kind of noise, but I don't get the low bass noise I got on the H6. So even using the H6 capsules on this recorder, while they're not shock mounted, it still works quite well. There is a volume control on the microphones. 
And this recorder has a different way of protecting you from knocking the volumes. Both the microphone volume and the two volumes on the recorder itself have a metal bar running right to left across the middle of them. It is simply over the top of them. It connects to the right-hand side, connects to the left-hand side, runs straight across the top. And of course, there are the same buttons on the side to disconnect and reconnect the microphone capsule to the recorder. My wife says this bar looks like a roll bar on a race car. So if you're into fast cars, maybe this is the recorder for you. Now the recorder itself. On the front, just below the microphones, you have the display. Below that you have the two volume controls, left and right with the bar across the middle. They are knurled edges, so you can change them by putting your thumb in there and clicking and seeing how far up and down they are from the bottom or top. Below the volumes are the four mic input buttons. First two for the internal microphones and the third and fourth for XLR1 and XLR2. By the way, these are XLR quarter-inch combo jacks. Below that are the transport buttons, laid out the same way they were on the H6. There's a square of four buttons on the left, the top left being stop, the top right being play, the bottom left being back, the bottom right being forward, and directly to the right of the play button, which is the top right, there is the record button, which is recessed in a metal ring so you can't hit it accidentally. And it is the only one of the buttons that operates silently. The others do have a click, but this record button, as it did on the H6, presses down rather noiselessly. And that's all that's on the front of the recorder. On the right-hand side of the recorder, you have what I believe to be the remote control jack. Below that is the jog dial. Below that is the menu button. Below that is the sort of waist where the metal bar that goes across the microphones connects with the side. And below that, there's the card slot. It opens from the top, it springs from the top down, and you hold it open because it's on a bit of a spring. And the card goes in with the face of the card facing up toward the buttons on the recorder, and the notches at the active end that you can feel would therefore be down. On the left-hand side, at the top, just below the microphones, you have the line-out jack. Below that you have the headphone jack. Below that you have the up-and-down volumes for the headphone jack. Below that you have the extension of the bar that wraps across the front of the recorder. Below that is the USB connector. And below that is the on-off switch, which works exactly like it did in the H6. Pull down on it, hold it for a second or so, it comes on. Same thing to turn it off, press it up to lock the recorder. On the bottom of the recorder, directly opposite the microphones, are the two XLR jacks. And in the middle between the jacks is a loop for connecting a lanyard, which I don't think came with this recorder, but nonetheless, there it is. On the back of the recorder, at the top, is the speaker, Below that is the threaded jack for mounting on a stand or camera tripod. Right below that is the latch that opens the battery door. You pull it with your thumb and it opens downward and totally comes off and uncovers two batteries inside, or an empty case if you don't have the batteries there, huh? And that's all that's on the back of the recorder. 
the case of the recorder is made of a kind of rubberized... It's not really rubberized. You can't squeeze it and make it move. But it's a very matte finish and easy to hold in your hand without it slipping. Also on the bottom of the recorder are four rubber feet that hold the recorder up off any flat surface when you're setting the recorder down. There are two recording modes on this recorder, multi and stereo. If you're recording in multi-mode, every channel you record is in a separate file. Well, with one exception. Let's say you had all microphones on. The first two channels would be in one file, and that would be the internal microphones left and right. XLR1, which is button number 3, would be in another file, and XLR2, which is button number 4, would be in yet another file. If you don't have headphones on, there's still the problem of how do you know whether the input button that you want on is on. I have not found an easy way to do that. There's only one way that I know of that works, and that is to record a short file. If it records, obviously the button's engaged. If it doesn't, what you hear is a previous file, because it doesn't record if the button's not engaged, and then you know. And that's the only way, without headphones, that I know of to know whether the button is actually pressed. If you're recording in stereo and have all those mics on, they're all going to be in one file. So you're mastering down to stereo as you record that file. Slight correction on that. I thought I understood what the manual was saying, and it's quite unclear in this point, so I called Zoom. On stereo mode, you cannot mix the internal and the XLR quarter-inch combos together. It's either one or the other. I tried for a long time to figure out how you could do both, because it talks about you could make a smaller file by putting them all in one file. Well, it didn't say all, but I just assumed. Incorrectly, it would appear. So in stereo mode, it's either one or the other. It's either internal or XLR quarter-inch. Interestingly, though, this is a benefit, or can be. Remember earlier I said there was no way to tell which record light or record button was pressed. Well, if you're in stereo mode and you have the internal microphones connected, there is. Let's say you wanted to record on the internal mics and not the XLR combos 1 and 2. What you would do is first press button number 3 or 4, the XLR combo mics, and then press button number 1 or 2, for the internal mics. The pressing of the button before makes the recorder think that, okay, you're going to want that until you choose something else. Now, in multi-mode, you can't do this because any button you press gets added. Here, since you can only do one or the other, if you press the other one first, like the XLR quarter-inch jacks, and then press the internal, that's what you'll be recording in. And it works the other way, too. If you want to record on the XLR combos, you press number 1 or 2, and then press number 3 or 4, and there you go. The next part of this podcast is recorded on the Zoom H5 with the H6 capsules. It is about 9.30 at night, and I'm out on my front porch. I have to say that I like the Zoom H5 body, and I really like it with the H6 mics, so that if you have both the H5 and the H6, you have your cake and can eat it too. I don't particularly like the microphones of the H5, but I like the fact that this is a smaller recorder, much lighter, 
even with the larger mics from the Zoom H6 on top. It is top-heavy, but it's still a nice handleable size. And some Blue Jay is really bothered someplace. Traffic off to the right, a cricket singing someplace. Do crickets sing, or do they just rub their legs together, and is that singing? Or is that any different from our rubbing our vocal cords together? Who the heck knows? The H5 microphones seem to be somewhat different from any microphones I've had on any of the Zoom recorders, except maybe for the H1. They seem to be more cardioid than hypercardioid. As an end result, their stereo spread at 90 degrees is not as wide as other Zoom mics with the same spread of 90 degrees. They're just more normal cardioids, which is what a lot of microphones have, and Zoom somehow seems to, for most recorders, have narrower cardioids, which gives you greater stereo separation, except for the H5, and I don't remember the H1, actually. Now I'm out on my front porch, talking into the Shure SM58 microphone. That's not just hiss you hear, that's wind, and traffic, and whatever else you might hear. This recorder does very well with XLR inputs and other microphones. I did some short tests between it and the Sony PCMD100, and it's pretty close. In fact, I'll probably do some more while we're listening. But at the moment, I'm just standing here listening to not much out here. Let's go inside so you can really hear which is hiss and which is wind. And here we are inside in the echoey room that I sometimes use, but you probably can't hear a whole lot of echo because this is a cardioid microphone. I'm not speaking as close to this mic as a lot of people do. I don't like to get the real breathy sounds that I sometimes hear when people do that, so you will be hearing more noise because there's less signal than is often applied to this mic. But for the heck of it, now, let's switch to the Sony. Of course, the Sony doesn't have XLR. I have to go into it with an eighth-inch mini jack cord, but let's see what the difference is. And that is exactly what I've done. This is the Shure SM58 being recorded on the Sony recorder, the Sony PCMD100, and we'll see what kind of noise difference we hear. Sony has always had very quiet mic preamps. Let's see if that's still true. And now back to the Zoom and the Beta 58A microphone of Shure. This, as well as the SM58, is a dynamic microphone, a very low volume output microphone. That's why you hear more hiss. This is a bit higher output than the 58. The folder and file structure on the recorder is as follows. You have two major folders, stereo and multi. And in each of these folders, you have subfolders of 1 through 10. In multi, you have even a further subfolder, which consists of project folders. Each project can have a number of files, depending on how many mics you use to record, because they're all recorded on separate tracks or in separate files. In the stereo folder, you simply have files, because all the inputs are placed in one file. So you can simply arrow up and down the list of files, rather than having to go in and out of project folders. 
This is the Rode NT1A microphone going into the Zoom H5 recorder. The question is, how does this microphone sound when compared with the LS100 of Olympus? Sorry about my scratchy throat. My medication is kicking in earlier than I thought. I apologize for that. I have used a constant noise to feed both these microphones to get the volumes even, just in case I speak more loudly in one recording than the other one. At least you know that the volumes will in fact be exact. I'm going to play a few seconds of silence so you can hear the noise of the preamps, and then I'm going to switch to the Olympus 100, leave a couple more seconds, and then begin speaking. Here goes. And this is the same microphone being recorded on the Olympus LS100, just to see what the difference, if any, in mic preamp noise and sound of signal is. Obviously, this is only speech, but occasionally I think I hear a difference. Let me see if you do. This is the Rode NT1A on the Olympus LS100, and now let's see what else we can go find to do. Recording now in multi-track mode, the H5 is out on the front porch with the MS mics of the H6 connected, and I'm here in the studio. It works, as I knew it would. Let's just listen to a few bird sounds, and then I'll be back. And now a bit of music, recorded on the H5 recorder, first using the H5 capsules in 90 degrees, which is the only thing they can be, and then using the H6 capsules in 90 degrees. Somebody on the Minimag list, I think, wrote this little ditty, and I like it. As you may have discovered, I've used it before. Here it is again. It has been raining out here, 
it's very wet, which is what you would expect after a rain, and it's kind of windy. My wind chimes off to the left. Nothing really else much going on out here. And uh, so, why am I out here? Just to find some sounds to record, but there's really nothing out here. Come on, play more than one note wind chimes, or at least a couple. A few crickets off in the background. I feel like your friendly weather forecaster. Hello, it's raining today. Or it rained earlier. I could go to school to be a radio DJ. Yeah, you know, I mean, I can talk like that too. All right, enough. Now I'm back out on my front porch with the H5 capsules and the windscreen that I got when I got the accessories pack of the Olympus LS100 seems to fit quite nicely. I'm sure there's a lot more I could do on this podcast, but as I said, this is going to be short. I have found this to be a pretty comparable recorder to the H6 with regard to its XLR quarter-inch jacks. And, of course, as I said, if you use the H6 capsules, if you have that ability, it sounds very nice, just as good as it does on the H6. The H5 mics, however, well, don't quite have it, at least not in my opinion. They're okay, but they're no better than the Zoom H4n, in my opinion. So, having said that, unless I think of something else really important to say, this ends this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And I'm sure we'll meet again soon, via the internet. Have a nice day. Well, we do want to thank you for being with us this week here on Main Menu, and hope you'll join us back here again next week on Main Menu. You have a great week, and... We'll see you soon here on Main Menu.